Welcome to the Journey of a Christian Dad podcast. I'm your host, Dan Lewis. Who is the spiritual leader of your family? Is it you, your pastor, your spouse, the media? Do you know? I did. And sadly, no one was taking responsibility to lead our family. Well, friends, someone needs to take that job, and that man is you. You may not feel qualified, and some days I don't. With the help of God and a community of dads helping each other on their journey, you can be the leader your family deserves. We welcome you to the Journey of the Christian Dad podcast. Want to homeschool, but worried about your child's socialization? Classical Conversations believes education is best experienced together. That's why Classical Conversations provides homeschool families with local communities for opportunities for socialization, support, and encouragement. In community, a trained licensed director guides both students and parents alike through a proven Christ-centered curriculum rooted in the classical model. To find a Classical Conversations community near you, visit classicalconversations.com slash dadjourney. And now, back to the show. All right, guys. Welcome back. Excited to have you back. So this week, rather than read a review of the week, I don't know why I felt nudged to uh, read a Bible verse, and I thought, what the heck am I going to read? And like, man, go go read you version, whatever the whatever the verse is for today. And I read it and I thought, what the heck? Why would I read this? I read it anyway. All right, I'll do it. I'll do it. So here's the verse of the day. It says, when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. And the community aspect, it says, surround yourself is kind of the topic in new version today. Whoops. Sorry. That was uh, Isaiah 43, 2, the NIV version. So surround yourself today. It says the Bible makes it clear. We need friends to encourage, inspire, challenge, and love us. And your friends need you too. And I thought to myself, man, that's it. That's the, that was the reason for me to jump into you version today because the guest we've got on today is just an awesome awesome guy when i read read about the the community and having others in your life and building community i thought man i'm so glad that this guy is in my life so that's a big Appreciate big deal that. that's a Appreciate big big that. deal yeah yeah absolutely so with that with that said welcome welcome to the journey of a christian dad hey man and, glad to be on Lowry's glad to be with on us. So did you, uh, they have a video with that on the YouVersion Bible where they have somebody who come in that a guest that will talk about that verse. Did you get a chance to watch that this morning? No, I didn't like a, a two to three minute. Yeah. A little, so little short thing. Yeah. I saw that, but I didn't, I didn't check it out. So it was so good this morning. I didn't get a chance. Well, well, I don't usually do this. What I did is this guy said something and I had to rewind it and play it three or four different times. And I'll type myself messages here and there just so that way I remember them. So I pulled it up as you were talking. He said in there, he's like, I was reminded at church recently that the size of the vision God will give you for your life is based upon the amount of pain you are willing to endure. So the size of vision God will give you for your life is based upon the amount of pain you are willing to endure. And I thought, what a great analogy, right? Because I, you know, even with my story, and I know we'll go through it today, but I was, I was complaining about it. You know, I was, I'm, I'm giving a talk here in about a week and a half, and I'm going through the talk a couple of weekends ago. I was a little bit frustrated and just kind of having a conversation with God about, man, why have I had to go through some of the struggles that I've had to go through? Why have I had to go through some of the challenges and the pain that I've had to go through? almost having my own little pity party. But I was reminded when I heard that this morning, as I said, man, the size of your vision God's going to give you for your life is, is based upon the amount of pain you're willing to endure. And I think about a guy, it also came to mind, John O'Leary. You, he was on the podcast oh, yeah. not too long ago. And you think about the amount of pain and the amount of struggle that he's had to go through with almost dying to all the surgeries, to the, the struggles that he's had in his life. And then eventually he took that and he embraced it and he's used it to not only glorify God, but to, but to help millions of people. And I think about all our stories, you know, gosh, if we're willing to lean into the, some of the pain and some of the things that have happened in our life and continually lean into that, you know, God's got a big plan for your life. I just thought it was really cool to hear that this morning. And of course you referenced it unintentionally this morning. I didn't know you were going there. 
Yeah, no, no, no plan today, guys. So that's that's the part about community. When you've got guys in your life that are living the life that you want to live, it goes back and forth. You feed off each other and you continue to get better. So let me let me do a quick intro. So we skipped over that because you you got got right into it. So right. just just a quick intro. Here here's some of the different things uh, that I know about Dan. So he's guys always ask what you what do you do for a living. So we'll throw that out there real quick. He's a uh, wealth manager, financial planner, really, really good at what he does. Uh, great practice, great clients, has a real clear vision for for how he wants to run his practice and that type of thing. We're not here today to promote his practice or any of that, but as you listen to the intern, you think, what's this guy do for a living? There, There's the basis. Uh, he's got a, a wonderful wife, wonderful kids. Uh, he was a Hall of Fame um, college volleyball player, won the national championship, yeah. Yeah. My senior year, I was, uh, we won the national championship. We had four really good seniors that year. I was really fortunate to, to have kind of a Cinderella run there and was named as an all American that year too. So had a, had a great, great way to go out on top my senior year. <laughs> That's cool. Uh, you've, you've I'm a super accomplished volleyball player. Like we said, uh, phys- how old are you these days? I'll be 37 this year. Still, still a young pup, 37, 37. Obviously tall since he played volleyball and was really good at it, but guys, this guy's in phenomenal shape. So I had a chance to work out with him a while back in his gym and oh my gosh, man, this guy just kills it in the gym, but it's part of a a lifestyle that he's got. So he eats pretty clean, you know, every day he's got a routine. Uh, Sleep is even something that he pays attention to. So I mentioned I was tired and he's like, Hey. You know, do you actually get enough quantity and quality of sleep? Like it might not be all the other stuff. It might be that like, but anyway, we just have conversations like this about areas of our life that we're working through and we'll get into some, uh, some uh, other dance here, here in a minute. But, uh, and then on top of that, you're like the champion accountability partner of the entire world. If there's not something that I really actually want to accomplish, like I kind of want to accomplish it, but not really, I won't tell you. <laughs> 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 it's just holding a mirror up, man. That's it. You told me you wanted to accomplish it. And then it's, it's holding the mirror and saying, how are you doing on it? It's not that hard. I think we just, we tend to forget and, you know, people just getting there do, doing their own deal. And so I think it's just having the care and concern to come back to somebody and say, Hey, how's that going? But that's also partly being going public with your goals. Then you have other people that are, if, if they're, if they're good friends, hopefully they'll ask about it and say, Hey, how's that going? Tell me about that. Yes. Yes, absolutely. And you're, you're great at it. Appreciate that. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, maybe the best I know at that. I don't know. It's just a discipline, I guess. I've, I've just become very disciplined over my life. And that's one of the things that, you know, if you want to accomplish something, there's a certain way to do it. And I had an old volleyball coach. He had this saying, and I didn't really understand it at the time. And now I get it. As he said, there are no little things. And I thought, what a what a great analogy, because in his sense, with a volleyball in, in volleyball, he would say the way you hold your hands or, or to your second step on your approach, if it's six inches different, six inches might not seem like a big deal, but but that could make your hitting percentage go up by 100 basis points. Right. And so he would say that there are no little things. And really, when you think about it in our business, we used to get coached on this when I first you know, got in the financial planning world you know, five calls a day, man, that doesn't seem like a lot, but you start to do that over 200 working days a year. You know, that's a thousand more calls, which how many more people do you talk to and how many more appointments does that yield? And so a lot of times in our life, we're, we're probably, it, it's the little things that we're getting wrong. Do I hit the snooze button or do I get up and work out? You know, do I eat the jelly donut or do I not? It's, it, and when you compound that over, a month, over a year, over five years. I mean, one of the owners of my firm talks about 10 pages a day, man, 10 pages a day, just, just do it. It doesn't seem like a lot, but then you say that's 25 business books a year in 10 years, that's 250 business books. If you read 250 books over the next 10 years, and I don't read any who wins in their mindset, in their, you know, accountability and in their growth in their life. Right. It's so it's, there are no little things. And I just think they compound over time. So but part of what you're saying is how do you show up for people? And it's just something I've tried to do over time. And I know you've ran a volleyball program also, you know, for kids and you've yeah. had, you've been the coach of coaches. Uh, my daughter, you'll remember this. Uh, she was working on playing volleyball, small girl. So she's going to have to learn how to be the digger. 
And she's trying to work on an overhand serve with a small body in like third grade. And I show her some, like I tell her how to do it. And she's like, no, that's not it. What do you know about it? You've never played. (laughs) So I show her some YouTube video of some female coach that has her own thing. She said, what does that lady know about it? And so I, I call you and I say, hey, just so you know, sweetie, here's his background. She's like, well, what does he know about teaching people? I'm like, well, not only does he have an entire club, but he's also got coaches underneath him that he coaches the coaches. So he knows what he's talking about. And you gave her one little thing to do to change, and it made all the difference. But because of your credibility, she actually listened to you. That's funny. That's good. That's right. And then as she practiced and worked on it, you know, I kept going back to, you know, something, some version of there's no little things. Yeah. Hey, you learn the right way to do it, but you keep practicing and every third or fourth one, and maybe a couple times in a row, you'll do it the other way. Dad, dad, well, do you want to get better? Do you not want to get, it's up to you. If you don't want to get better, then I won't let you know. Yep. Yeah. I think she still questioned me initially. If I remember anything from that conversation was, well, what, I think you, I think you maybe even called me with her and I explained the keys to how to, how to have a good overhand serve. And, and she, I, I think I had to tell her a little bit more of my background. Well, what do you know? Or how do you know? Tell me your background. So Absolutely you did. Yeah, you, you had to give her the resume. Yeah, <laughs> she don't she, like doing. She kept throwing the objections out. Yeah, you had to keep going with it. It's really funny. And finally, like, so do you think I know what I'm talking about? <laughs> <laughs> Bless her heart. We live in the show me state, my friend. Yep, absolutely. Absolutely. That's and then good. tell us a little bit about your, your current family. Yeah, so I've got three boys. Everett's my eight-year-old, Anderson's my six-year-old, and then Emmett is my four-year-old. So they'll be, later this year, we'll have nine, seven, and five. Friday was their last day of school. They go to a uh, school here, Catholic school, Sacred Heart and Valley Park. So I'm hoping that uh, with this whole All Things New that we'll be good. Just found out the parish is going to be good. So that's exciting. And then Colleen, it's actually her birthday today. So she, uh, we've been married 11 years. We're in our 12th year of marriage. So that's been, been amazing. She's just a, just a wonderful partner and great person in my life. Just such a good sounding board. She's just, you know, she's so good at reading people. I mean, she just, she keeps me in line and keeps me in check, but it's such a good, just such a good partnership we have. And I just, I don't know, she's been an amazing friend. She's my best friend. So it's, uh, it's fun to be able to say that. I mean, there's a lot of times we found it during COVID but we started doing date dates or uh, date nights at home. And this, you know, we've done it once a week. Now we get our sauce on the side and we go and we'll watch a show and we'll hang out. And so we've just, we've started to do that. But when I look at it, there's nobody else I'd rather hang out with. Like Colleen's my best friend. And and if, if I'm going to choose between going and hanging out with a group of guys and my wife, I mean, I'm going to choose my wife every day of the week. And so I, uh, I'm just very thankful that, that God put me in that position and gave me a, a true partner. That's awesome. I, yeah. I love I love that, and I love the fact that even with all your accomplishment that you've had in your life, you still look to your wife for her guidance and direction and input and everything. And uh, something uh, different times you've told me, hey, sh- my wife mentioned this. I should probably pay attention to that. I should probably listen a little bit. Yeah, she. So I've been thankful to marry the person who's not just going to say yes and she wants me around, which I love. And there's times where, Hey, maybe I'll like last week I played volleyball a couple of times. And then I was fortunate to be on this auction at our school. We got this group to go down to Dalhousie. And so I did that. So there were three or four days in a row and it starts to wear a little bit because I'm not there. So I'm, I'm thankful that I have somebody who will let me know and say, Hey, this is becoming a lot. And she'll, she'll hold me accountable. But I often joke that she's my consultant because there's a lot of things that, you know, I had an assistant that just had a baby. And so when we would have different disagreements, Colleen would say, here's the angle that she's coming at it from. You've never been a female who's had a baby. Here's what she's saying. And she's just really good at reading people and human nature. And so I'm thankful that that I just go to Colleen. Hey, here's a scenario that happened. How would this make you feel? Or if I said it this way, how would that come across to you? And it's just it's so great that I've got somebody in my corner that I can, that I can run those situations by. I call it, like I said, my consultant. <laughs> are you guys always at like a nine out of 10 or 10 out of 10 in your marriage? Are you always locked in? I think it's, it's usually in that range. I'd say there's sometimes where it's maybe a seven or eight, but I would say it doesn't drop dip, dip below a seven. 
And that's more of the times where we're tired, we're fussy. There's this, yeah. So there's, so there's different, you know, different things that will happen here and there, maybe a disagreement, but what we usually do is it, it maybe it'll take a day or two, but we'll come back and she'll, she'll talk about it from her end. I'll talk about it from my side. But one thing that I've learned over time is somebody told me feelings are non-negotiable. So the way you make me feel is the way you make me feel. And I just, we, we really try to lean into that. When you said this, it made me feel this way. So I'm not attacking, I'm not attacking her as a person, right? I'm saying this is the way that it made me feel. So if, if you could be conscious of that and maybe approaching it a different way, I think you'd get a better reaction from me. So I think it's constantly trying to be open about our feelings and how it's making us feel. And then we can, we can change that behavior going forward. Yeah, I asked that question and I phrased it that framed it up that way intentionally because I know not everybody can run it. Well, nobody can run it a nine or a ten all the time, no. consistently three sixty five. Like it just doesn't work that way. Yep. But it's yeah, it just doesn't happen. It is great when you continually do things like day dates or date nights, even through COVID, where you can't really run around and go anywhere, and you've got you know kids. So during COVID, you couldn't bring a babysitter in like that would. have just been you know earth shattering oh my gosh what a horrible person to bring an outsider into his house (laughs) yeah so our our day on sunday because her parents said hey it's your birthday we'll babysit for the kids so we went and did about an hour hike at castlewood so we drove up there did our hike the three three and a half mile hike got done went to sauce on the side because that's we were going to get had a drink outside hung out for 30 45 minutes talked came back home her parents had put the kids to bed and then we, like I said, we watched our show, we ate our food and that was it. And so that's my idea of a, of a great date night, because even when we go to the tap, the tavern's probably our favorite dinner. We go there, we'll sit at the chef's counter. It's fun. You spend more money. You know, there's, there's a lot more going on versus if I can just focus on Colleen, it's, it's just a little bit different. So for us, that's a rhythm that we found and we've really enjoyed that. I don't, I don't want to go out and stay up super late. Um, I don't want to be tempted to, you know, to have more drinks than I want. So for us, that's a, that's a date night that we've done and we do at least once a week since COVID. So that's cool. So last week I mentioned on the podcast that I, uh, snapped at my wife three times within a few days, whatever her comment was, I forget what it was, you know, it was different ones at different times, but I was reading the book triggers. And in that book, it talks about, you know, and I, I think about it too, when I, you know, when you're, when your kids are acting crazy, why is it? Because they're hungry, they're angry, they're lonely, they're tired, you know, all those type things. I'm like, man, I was tired. (laughs) I was hungry. (laughs) Yeah. I wasn't necessarily lonely, but at the same time, I wasn't feeling like we were on the same page, you know, we're running a little bit different. You know, both of us had busy schedules and I'm like, it's funny when we're not at that nine or a 10 and those same comments wouldn't have triggered a sharp, tongue for me or a sharp response. So, uh, you know, I ask her forgiveness and everything. And just like you said, a day or two later, we moved through it, talked about it and, you know, came to, came back together again and got back to the nine or the 10 spot. But I hadn't done that in such a long time. And I thought, what the heck is going on? Yeah. What's yep. with me? There's a, I, something you said made me think of it. There's a, a guy in uh, a Thursday small group that I have that he just sent this video out and I've sent it to a couple guys here recently, but it it's on the U version Bible and it's why we actually sin. It's a four day plan and it's really good. And he, he talks about that is, is within sin. Sin is the, the kind of the end box that he describes on there. And we think a lot of times temptation, so I'll sum it up for you, but temptation is the reason that we sin, but he has a box before that. And he said, desire. He said, we actually desire to sin, right? That's yes. just the way kind of our bodies were made. But he even goes further before that. And I'm, I'm very, I'm summarizing it. It's four different videos over four different days. But he said, before desire is a lack. The reason we desire certain things is we feel like we lack it. So he's, the, the analogy he uses is a bowl of concrete. And he says, I can't tempt you to eat a bowl of concrete because you don't desire to eat a bowl of concrete. There's got to be something that you feel like you are lacking to make you desire and tempt you to sin. And so it was just very interesting. So if you're thinking about it with your wife, what's the lack that's going on in my marriage that makes me feel like I need to, I need to lash out. I need to sin, right? What, is there something going on that, that maybe we're not being either physically intimate enough or she's not giving me that much attention and she's giving more to my kids 
but it's very interesting to think about not just the temptation, right? If, if I take a second look at a girl, you know, I was, I was certainly tempted by that, but am I lacking in the intimacy with my wife, which is making me, you know, go, go over and reach and, and, and grab onto that sin there. So it was just, it's very fascinating. It's been um, to really understand where sin comes from and to reframe it in your head. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Praying to keep me away from temptation, not even keep me from sin, but keep me from even getting close to the fire. Yeah, it's true. So outside looking in, I interviewed a guy named Sean Tolleson. He at one time was a top 10 Cy Young uh, vote getter. Yeah. Best, best pitcher in the majors. And he's like, I never felt like sharing my story or any of that type thing because outside looking in, you know, I had the perfect marriage, perfect family, all this type stuff. And uh, I was like, well, that's why you need to share. And like, we want to learn your habits. We want to learn how you live your life. We want to learn how you do things. He's like, and then my dad died and I went from Cy Young, you know, vote getter to never throwing another pitch good again for the rest of my life and leaving major league baseball. Wow. He's like, it was such a huge, huge impact on him. And he, he went on and talked about that for a while. And wow. finally, after getting away from it all, he, he lost his health. He gained tons of weight. And then he got all that back under control. Now he's a health coach. But he's like, that's how big of an impact his father had on him. And lack of having his father, you know, sent him in a different direction. Um, so I know your dad, you've got a, a a big story about your dad and a while back I wanted to have you on, but it was a little bit too soon. Yeah. I didn't feel right even about asking quite yet, but you said, Hey, I'd love to come back on the podcast. I'm like, well, I've been dying for about a year to ask you to come onto the podcast. So tell us a little bit about that side of your life and and growing up in that, uh, you know, the way that you grew up, I'll just let you you talk and, and answer the question any which way you want, even if you don't answer the question. Yeah. So to go back to that, so my, you know, to your initial comment, my dad passed away. It was April 26th of 2022. And so, you know, that was, it was a very sad day, right? But when you start to think about it, I would say my life has probably gone the other way from that gentleman's and that that he really struggled with that. But I think what what my dad's death did was it, it really solidified a lot of things in my life. And that one, I've got a great story that I need to tell. I started leaning into that more. And I think forgiveness, I I want to tell a story about forgiveness and how ultimately that's really benefited me in my life and how more people should embrace that. But yeah, life growing up for me was, it was normal in a lot of ways where the, we would ride our bikes around. I had four brothers growing up and we would go fishing all summer and, and we'd go swimming in the lakes around us. And when it snowed, man, we'd be outside for, you know, 10 hours of the day and we'd be doing all of that. Right. And I made a lot of, I'd say good adventures but at the same time, life was really difficult. And the fact that, you know, my mom's been married four times and she's she's picked very poor men, you know, men that have spent years in and out of jail, men who were physically and verbally abusive to her and my four brothers. It, um, you know, it was it was a challenge growing. I mean, my my second stepdad, he um, or my, my mom's third husband, my stepdad, Alan, man, he used to drink a 30 pack of bush beer a day. 30, he'd have a, he'd have a case of bush beer that he would bring in and he would bring, he would drink a 30 pack a day. It was, it was terrible. And I just, I would remember, I mean, I can tell you story after story. One of the stories I latch onto is we had this farmhouse in New Melly, Missouri. And I was watching him argue one time through the back window of our farmhouse. I was standing there and my stepdad's dad. So we lived on a farm, you know, his sister lived over here. His parents lived right up the road. His brother lived over here. So we were kind of all in this compound and you know, his, his dad had all his farm equipment down here. We were right by the barn. So anyways, when my mom and Alan would argue frequently, Ralph would sit there on his truck and he would just make sure nothing happened. Well, I remember this day, you know, Alan grabbed my mom by the throat and he slammed her on the ground. He started choking her and I'm screaming at the top of my lungs and saying, he's going to kill her. And his dad was just sitting there in the truck, not doing anything. So one of my brothers eventually ran through the house and tackled, you know, my stepdad off of her. And, and that was just a pretty common occurrence in my house growing up. And, and really that was, that was allowed to happen because when I was three, it was the first kind of memory I have as a child is these black trash bags that were stacked up on our back deck. 
before, you know, it's just filled with my dad's stuff before he, you know, drove off and left us behind. And, and that was, my dad was in and out of drugs. He was unfaithful to my mom and he was just really struggling. He was in a bad place. So my mom ultimately said, you know, enough's enough and, and kicked him out. And so for the better part of 10 years, I, I didn't see my dad. He didn't come back in until I was 13, somewhere in that range. But it's an interesting thing when you're a kid because you long for that relationship with your parents. So, you know, explaining my, my, you know, my stepdad there, Alan, he, he was not a good father figure. You know, he was a union carpenter and he would go and work, but he was frequently at the bar. He was, when he was home, he was drunk, he was angry, and it, it just wasn't a great relationship. So I didn't really have a father figure. And that kind of wears on you as a young kid. You have a you have a desire to be with your biological parents, your mom and your dad. My mom was always there, although she was distracted, right? Because she had different men and and she was really struck. When when you're kind of fearing for your safety and your livelihood at that point, then you know th- then you're just distant. You're not as engaged, and that's what you're focused on. So I, I I remember going to the woods on multiple occasions. I would cry. I would ride my bike to the woods and I would cry, and I would think what did I do wrong? Right. Cause you put it on yourself You say, what did I do wrong? And my dad didn't want to be a part of my life. And maybe if I was better, Dan, that, that he would come back and we'd have a better relationship. And so that I think was something that I always, you know, that I leaned into over time is, is how do I continue to be better? Because then I'll maybe win the, the approval of my parents and I'll make them eventually one day they'll be proud of me. Right. So I think that's easy to turn that into a lot of worldly desires. So, you know, my dad came back into my life when I was 13, but we would go and see him every other weekend and we would work with him. He was a landscaper, worked seven days a week. So every other weekend, my dad's picking us up on a Friday, bringing us back on a Sunday and we're working, right? So he would, he would, we would go to tree farms and we would dig trees. We'd build retaining walls, all of the, you know, that he worked at Baxter Gardens and then did a lot of his own stuff on the weekend. So a lot of those houses near Long Road, Wild Horse Creek Road. I've worked on a lot of those houses because we were there and he had clients there and we would we would landscape. And so that relationship though, it it struggled for a long time. He he wasn't uplifting. There was never an I love you. He didn't uh, he didn't hug you, didn't kiss you, there was no affection. And so that relationship went on that way for a long period of time. It wasn't really until I think I was in my late twenties, early thirties, where I started seeing a counselor and I started reading books about this, that I would journal on, man, here's some of the things that I'm frustrated with. Or there was one book I, I read. It's, um, it's you, it's un F U C K yourself. I don't know if I can yeah. say that on here. Yeah, and Gary John Bishop. Gary John Bishop. I think you had him on the, the podcast, but in that book, he talks about the three saboteurs in your life. And one of them is what you tell yourself. Another one, he talks about others. And then he talks about the world. And I really did a deep dive on that. It took me a couple of weeks to just constantly keep coming back to that for my journal. And I said, man, the thing that I tell myself is I'm not good enough. For some reason, I tell myself I'm not good enough. And then I started to think back on why. Why do I tell myself I'm not good enough? And there's been a number of different things that my dad would say. Things like... Um, he told me the day before I was about to marry my wife, he said, Dan, are you sure you want to marry her? He said, I, you know, I don't want you to come to me in two or three years and say, dad, you were right. You know, you, I, I shouldn't, I shouldn't have married her or, you know, Danny, you're really, you're really book smart. You're not street smart. You've got no common sense. Or, you know, I, he would give me trouble because I would call him a lot when we were landscaping because I didn't want to be wrong. If something was wrong. It was no, 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 no. And it's, you got to do it this way. And it was, it was this, you live in this constant fear that you were going to do something wrong. And, and so this cadence that he used to have back and forth, he told me later, he found it on a TV show once he thought it was funny when we had an audience. So we would be down at, at the lot before we were going to leave for a job, or he'd even have his clients and he'd say, Hey, Hey guys, kind of look at this. And he'd say, Hey, Danny, he said, you are. And I would repeat, I'd say worthless and weak. And you say, Anne, I will never amount to anything. Mm. So that's a cadence back and forth mm. with my biological dad. Mm-mm-mm. And and you say that over and over again, and you start to believe. You say, man, well, I'm, I'm not good enough, or I'm not doing enough, or nothing I ever do is, is going to be good enough. And so I just struggled with that relationship a lot, man. And it, um, it was really tough. It was really challenging. And I just, I remember sitting down with a counselor saying, man, I'm, 
I'm just really frustrated that that it's going this way. And so he reminded me too. He said, Hey, Dan, here's the parents you want. And here's the parents you got. And he said, if you are keep expecting this up here, then you're always going to be disappointed because there's always going to be this gap. So you've got to lower your expectations. And it was interesting. I had, um, maybe that's a, a different story we can go into, but I had this friend of mine and for some reason he reached out and he said, Hey Dan, let's, uh, let's grab coffee sometime. And so I was just, you know, in this spot where I feel like a lot of things, what I did is I turned the corner and I really, you know, put myself into some different worldly things, but I just, I met with him for coffee one day and I said, man, I, I just feel like, you know, something's missing in my life. I, uh, I've got all these great things going on in my life. I've got a great marriage. I've got three great kids. My wife's shifting and staying home, making more money than I've ever made. I've got all these great things going on. And this is about four years ago. And he said, he said, Dan, frankly, without Christ in your life, there's always going to be something missing. And so I said, okay, that's interesting. And he invited me to a breakfast two days later. And I went and heard a speaker, you know, talk about how he was a Russian spy, came to America and eventually converted over to Christianity, how he found Christ. And then they had this, you know, box that you could check and start going through this one-on-one disciple program with somebody. And so I said, yes, I, I, I want to do that. I feel like these guys have something that, that I don't have that, that I'm missing. And so I checked the box. And one of the first things that that, that person, that uh, my mentor, my Paul, taught me was he said, man, you've got to start reading the Bible. Have you ever read the Bible? I said, no, I've never read the Bible. So well, where did I start? He said, the four gospels go through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And so I started going through them. And right there in Matthew, there's, there's two verses that really hit me over the head. I don't, I don't remember the names of, or the, the verse numbers off the top of my head, but you know, he's talking to Jesus saying, you know, Jesus, how many times shall we forgive the person, the brother whose sister who sins against us? He said up to seven times, said, no, I tell you not seven times, but 77 times, right? And then, um, you know, the other one is, is if you, if you forgive your, you know, your brother or sister or their transgressions, then your heavenly father will forgive you. But if you do not forgive them for their transgressions, then your father in heaven will not forgive you. Ooh. And, and I read those two and I'm like, man, I'm holding on to a lot of resentment. I'm frustrated and I'm angry. You know, I, I think uh, one of the other things I talk about with my parents, I won a national championship at Kansas City, Dan. Neither of them came there. I can count on one hand the number of volleyball games in college that I played in and high school that they came to. My dad went to one, one of my college games, no high school, no college, right? I mean, I think about it now, I've won 30 beach tournaments. They haven't been to one of them. So there's, there's this lack of effort. They just, I didn't feel like they were there for me. And so I read those two and I'm like, I feel like God's speaking to me right now. I've got to forget them. And I, I tried to get it in person, but I ultimately, I, I'm, I'm kind of like that when I, when I get an idea in my head, I'm usually like, I've got, I've got to do it. And I don't like to sit on it. So I called them both that day and I called my dad and I called my mom and I said, Hey, I didn't feel like you were there for me. I had these games, I had this going on and I didn't feel like you showed up. And, and frankly, dad, you used to say this to me and, and because of it, here's now what I tell myself. And he was quiet and he got real upset. And he, uh, he just said, I'm sorry. I didn't, I didn't really think anything of it. He was almost dumbfounded. I hadn't, I didn't see him at a loss for words very often, but he, you could tell he didn't mean anything by it. It was something silly that he did not realizing the impact later on that it would have. And, uh, you know, the other thing too, that I've been talking about a little bit more is I actually had an older brother when I was seven. He sexually abused me on multiple occasions. And so that day, I never talked to my brother, but I, I decided to forgive my mom and my dad. And I forgave my brother. I just said, I'm, I'm done. I'm moving on. I can't do anything about the past. I can't do anything about what happened. But moving forward, I said, let's change it. Now, I think the interesting part is with my mom and my older brother, those relationships haven't necessarily materialized into what I want them to. I wish we were closer. I wish we talked more. I wish my mom showed up to more of my, my, my stuff, my kids' stuff. And then my older brother, he just got out of jail. He did a two-year stint in jail recently, and he's come out. It seems like he's turned a new leaf, but I want to I make sure that's fine before I feel like we start leaning into that relationship more. But with my dad, on the other hand, what that did is it allowed us to just almost be free, right? We, we started to become more of a peer. I think my mom, I, she struggled in the relationship because I don't need anything from her. 
my, I've got two brothers that need stuff from her all the time. And she, and she loves that, right? As a parent, we want to be wanted, but my dad figured out and say, I just want to be, I just want to be your buddy, your friend. Let's just be a, let's just be a peer. And, and he figured out how to transition that relationship well. And so it, he started to call me on a weekly basis. And so we talked two, three, four times a week. And, and, uh, a couple of years after we had that conversation, he started to tell me that he loved me every time he saw me. It was, it was crazy. It was almost awkward where I didn't really know what to say because you hadn't had it for, you know, 34 years of my life. And it's, Hey buddy, I love you. And I'm proud of you. You know, you're, you and Colleen, Colleen's my favorite daughter-in-law. You're raising your kids. Your actions are consistent with your words. You guys are doing a great job. Every time he saw me, he'd tell me that. Mm-hmm. And, and again, it's, it, was, it was so weird at first, but I just, one day I'm like, you know what? Who cares? I'm going to embrace it. And I'm going to hug him and I'm going to give him a kiss and I'm going to tell him that I love him. And, and it is what it is. And so I started to do that and it just created this really cool conversation and, and relationship where he would come over and you know, we, I got a new pool table at the house and he would play pool and we'd sit down in the basement, we'd talk. And, and, you know, I think he shared things with me that he didn't share with anybody else. You know, he told me that when we were growing up, he, he prayed for us that God would watch over us, even though he wasn't there. And, and just some really neat conversation. I mean, he helped us redo all the landscaping. We talk about finances and what are you doing with the money? Like we would lean into each other's professions and it just, it became what I felt like that relationship should be. And so that was what was really hard about him passing away last year was the fact that you feel like you got to this point, man, we had 32 years of struggle, 33 years of struggle. And then you have a conversation it opens this door to this great relationship and now it's gone. And I think about it from a couple different aspects and say, well, well, Dan, you could look at it and say, what if you never had it? Cause I got a brother who never reconciled with my dad and now he's got to sit there and have all this regret that he never got there and he, and he never figured it out and they never had those conversations. So I think about it from that angle and say, well, man, I'm so lucky and I'm so blessed that we got to have this relationship, but even more the power of forgiveness that they say anger is like taking poison and expecting the other person to die. I can keep being angry and I can keep taking that poison and expecting that other person to die, or I can just forgive them. And what you really figure out is it releases you know, any anger and feelings of resentment inside of you. And it allows you to be free. And like I said, it created this beautiful relationship that, um, you know, my dad and I had. And, and so it was interesting. One of the things I want to share in my Bible here on, so my dad went into the hospital on a Sunday. I think that would have been the 24th and he was in and out of consciousness was able, he, he, he didn't have medical insurance. So he discharged himself that day. But then the next day is when he had his cardiac event and he went back in. And so we, I saw him on that Monday and he was, you know, incapacitated. And so the next day they were going to figure out if they were going to do an EEG and figure out if he had any brain activity. And I was, I just remember driving, I was going to grab breakfast that morning. And I just said, God, put a verse on my heart. Like just, I'm driving, I see these road signs, I see these numbers and say, man, just, can you put a verse on my heart that, um, you know, and then just help me understand. And so Matthew 12, 20 is what came out of that. So my Bible, it says a battered reed, he will not break off and a smoldering wick. He will not put out until he leads justice to victory. So I don't know if that means anything to you, but when, when I read it, it didn't mean anything to me either. So I said, okay, a battered reed, a smoldering wick. I don't get it. So you look down at the footnotes as I've got this, this Bible, it's got some footnotes in it. He said the reed was used by shepherds to fashion a small musical instrument. So once it was cracked or worn, it was useless. A smoldering wick was also useless for giving light. These represent people who are deemed useless by the world. Christ's work was to restore and rekindle such people, not to break them. This speaks to his tender compassion toward the lowliest of the lost. He came not to gather the strong for a revolution, but to show mercy to the weak. Mm. So when I hear that, I say my dad in the early part of his life, he's a battered reed and he's a smoldering wick. He's not useful to society. People have written him off. He's not being a good father, not being a good husband. But Christ's work was to restore and rekindle such people, not to break them. So later on, my dad got better, right? He became a better father, a better husband, you know, a better, a better son, a better brother, a better... So it, I think it, um, he just got better over time. And that was... 
part of God just raising him up over time. So that that verse will always be close to my heart because you think about a battering reed and a smoldering wick and people that we just write off and how you have the ability to forgive somebody and how it can open a great door and how you can move into a good relationship and Christ can redeem those people. And so I just, um, I just rambled there for about 30 minutes, but it's my story. <laughs> <laughs> so what did you tell your dad that you tell yourself now? What did I tell my dad that I tell myself now? Oh, that, um, that I said, man, I, I feel like I tell myself I'm not good enough. And it was this cadence that you went back and forth with me. Yeah. On. Yeah. So that, so you didn't you didn't you didn't come back to him and say, Dad, now I now I tell myself I'm strong. Now I tell myself you didn't you didn't combat uh, it. You just said, Hey, this is this is it, man. This has been burned into me. Yeah, I think it is. And and now what I what I realize is that there's a couple of things is that Christ has always been there with me. My heavenly father has always been there, even though my earthly father hasn't. That's one thing I realized through this whole thing. So God has always been there and I can see it all along my story. But you're right. There's times where I don't think that's the story I tell myself anymore. Now, the way the devil gets in there or tries to get in there is, Dan, you're not doing enough. It's not that I'm not good enough because I know that I'm good enough because we're all sons of God. And we're all good enough. But now it's, man, are you really doing enough? I don't think you're doing enough. And so that's more of the question. You've been given all these gifts. You got a great story to tell. Why, why, why are you even doing that? That's not enough. Or, or you're not leaning into it enough. Or with your kids, man, you're, you're going to grow up or they're going to be grow up and they're going to be 18 and you didn't do enough when they were little. And so I think that's where it, where it comes in or where the devil comes in now is, are you, are you truly doing enough? That's the one that I've got to combat more. Yeah. That's, that's a, it, the devil can take just a little shift. Yeah. So that same truth before where you got it worn into you about being worthless and not good enough. Now, okay, fine. I can't fight you with that one anymore because you don't believe it. Yeah. Let's shift it just a little bit over here. Sure. And yeah, I can see how that can get to you. And I can see how that one could sit for a while. It's true. Could be super positive. It's true. Yeah. Yeah. I find contentment is really hard. I think it's hard because in a in a business where and that's the, one of the other things that I've done is my, my story went the other way where I I tried to pour myself in and make my parents proud of me and say, man, if I accomplish all this stuff, I can, I can do great things, but then maybe one day I'll wake up and, and they'll be proud of me or I'll get there and, and it will feel like enough, right? I think that's another, a lot of guys get into a situation too, where they say, if, if I've had a lack growing up, one day I'm going to make a hundred grand a year. I'm going to become a millionaire. Or I'm going to get this job or I'm going to do this and it's going to be enough. And so for me, that was where it came into, I'm going to, you know, graduate the finance degree. Nobody else in my family had gone to college. I'm going to get an MBA. I'm going to become a certified financial planner. I'm going to make 100, 200, 300, 400, whatever the number is a year. I'm going to live in this big house. I'm going to have my wife stay at home. I want to do all these things. And that was ultimately where I woke up four years ago. I've done all these things, but it's not enough. And so what, what point do you get to in your life where you, you hit that and then you start to ask the why questions? Well, who am I and why am I here? And why does this not feel like enough? Yeah. So when you reach those mountaintops, how long did that feeling last of, I made it? I think I did it for a while. It was for, I mean, that was since I started my working career, because I was in a career at the first firm I was at where you were rewarded for productivity. And so then you had <clears throat> different milestones you would hit and you would go to company meetings and you would get awards or you would get ribbons. And that lasted for a long time. And I think the award or ribbon, it's kind of like a new car that you get and it would last for a period of time and you would feel fulfilled in that moment. It's almost kind of like the happiness versus joy analogy. You would feel happy for a period of time, mm -hmm. but it would never last. And so ultimately it was trying to move past that and say, how do I find joy? But really that for me, that lasted for 10 or 12 years until I had this, this conversation with you know, my friend and, and he said, dude, without Christ in your life, there's always going to be something missing and nothing you do is ever going to be enough. So I'm thankful that I found that in my early to mid thirties. Whereas I think there's a lot of people who, who might not find it until their 50s, 60s and 70s, where I have the ability to change it when I've got an eight, six and a four-year-old. Whereas a lot of people, their kids might be out of the house and they say, man, what did I do? I, I can't do anything about it now. And I don't know my kids or, you know, I had my I was climbing the ladder my whole life, but I just realized it was leaning against the, long, the wrong wall. 
So, you know. Yeah, we had uh, Chad Williams. He was the Navy SEAL, and he said his saddest day was like the first episode, Surviving the Storms. And he wrote a book called Seal of God. But he yeah. said the saddest day, the most depressed day, the, the most awful day in his life was, I think he said the day after. It was either the day after or the very next day, like two days later. But right after he got to be a Navy SEAL, he accomplished it. They said, I was horrible. It was the worst day of my life. Wow. Because I reached the mountaintop and I didn't get what I thought I was going to get. And I looked out and there wasn't another mountaintop. That was the peak and the pinnacle and there wasn't anything else. You lost all meaning and purpose that you had on the goal that you were working toward. You lost it all. It's done. You accomplished it. Yep. Yeah. It's crazy. Matt Matt Holliday said, man, one of my regrets in baseball is because I won the World Series and I immediately went back to the gym and I immediately started looking to the next season. I didn't pause. I didn't reflect. I didn't. How great was it to win the 2011 World Series? Well, it wasn't. I just kept grinding. Yeah. So the thing he was famous for is also the thing that he looks back and goes, huh, I could have done that different. Yep. Could have enjoyed that a little bit. (laughs) Yeah, I find for me, at least, I don't know. I think it's with a lot of guys, the contentment is hard, Dan. It's hard to, how do you, because you want to, this is where I was going earlier, is you want to have goals and things that you're striving toward, but how do you also be content at the same time? That long-term joy, that contentment, I find that's that's somewhat elusive, but I think the further and further I dive into my faith, the further and further I dive into, you know, to Christ that, that he is enough. And I know that I just need to keep leaning in more there, but yeah, it's, uh, it's certainly hard at times. Yeah. I've found times where, uh, I feel challenged or I feel lack of contentment. Oftentimes if I answer that thought process with something outside of me, things suddenly get much better. It's true. So whether that be God or whether that be just a different human outside of my family, and look to serve others like wow things just got a whole heck of a lot better it's good it's really good i maybe told the story on here before but my pastor like hey man i'm so frustrated and this stuff and i've talked to you recently and here's the thing like i'm shaking i'm not sleeping he says all right i hear you how about this have you got a couple hours today i do like i'm all consumed by this and he says all right why don't you uh Go to the hospital. <laughs> I'm like, and do what? And talk to who? He goes, it doesn't matter. Just go there. And then he follows it up with, and you and I actually both know somebody who's in the hospital. Yeah. And I was like, gosh, dang it, man. You're right. Like, here I am all caught up in my own junk. Yeah. And a guy that I know pretty well was in the hospital and, you know, like, yeah, that's a good idea. I will go see him. And would you believe it? When I walked into his room, he's reading the Bible. Oh, so good. Like, and then the doctor walks in and he says, Hey, uh, you know, we got stuff to do. And he looks at my buddy and he goes, um, should I come back? And my buddy goes, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And the doctor goes, are you for real? Like that? How important am I? And you're being serious. You're kicking me out. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I I am. (laughs) And we talked about how important it is for us, for others to love us, but then also how important it is for us to love others. I certainly felt loved and important in that time when he literally kicked the doctor out who sees him for, you know, 42 seconds daily. So good. Wow. (laughs) That's amazing. So with your story of forgiveness, um, I don't know if we want to talk a little bit more about your dad or your brother, like how you'd, how you'd overcome whatever you went through with your brother. Uh, I feel like a little bit of ego, not from you, but if I was in that situation, a little bit of um, survival mindset, a little bit of, I don't want to be vulnerable around this, around this person again. I've been vulnerable before, you know, the person was bigger than me or, you know, whatever. Um, any, any keys to you getting through either of those to get to the forgiveness stage or? Yeah. I was just so sick of the, I was so sick of feeling that way. I just didn't want to feel that way anymore. I was, I was sick of it. I was, exhausted being angry and mad and hurt and frustrated and it wasn't changing it was the same cycle and so i think one of the one of the best things that i'm able to do one of my gifts is whenever i feel called to do something you can say i think it's the holy spirit other people would say different things i just lean into it dan so for me when i read those verses 
it was a very clear thought process that, you know, God was calling me to do this. And whenever I get something that I feel called toward, I just feel like I have to do it. And so it's the same, whether it be my workout thing or, or when I make my mind up to do something, you know, 75 hard was an example that I went through last year. It, to be honest, it was not that much of a challenge for me because I think when I, when I set my mind to do something, now there were certain days it was a challenge. You're right. But I think that's just my innate nature to say, I'm going to, I'm going to do this and I'm going to see it through. And if I commit to it, I'm going to do it. But if you read through Matthew, there's a lot of stuff in there. It's not just that it was, how are you going to judge a speck in your neighbor's eye when you've got a log in your own? I judge people a lot. And so that's helped me get better with, now I'm not perfect, but not to judge other people because I don't know what's going on in their life. And when somebody cuts me off on the highway, man, I hope everything's going okay in their world or hopefully they don't get fired from their job or whatever it is. But I think there's a lot of stuff, you know, you're, you're a, a light that's made to shine for the world, right? You're not supposed to be under a lampstand. You're, you should be out there for the, the whole world to see, to see your light. And so I think Matthew is one of those books that, you know, it, it really challenges you in a lot of ways if you lean into it. So I understand your question, but in my mind, I was so sick and tired of being sick and tired that I just wanted something to change. I don't know. I didn't know if anything was going to change. I mean, I had been around some people in that in my world at that point who said they had written letters to somebody and then they either burned them or they maybe they sent them. And I, but but then you you kind of let go of the outcome because for me it wasn't for them. It was for me. And that's the thing you really realize about forgiveness over time is I'm going to let go any of the any of the expectations that something else is supposed to happen from this. But I just, I just want to be done with it mentally and I want to move past it. And regardless of what happens, that way it can free me mentally. So I just wanted him to know. I wanted him to know that that was the way you guys made me feel. And I want this to be different going forward. I can't do it on my own. We have to do this together. So you have to want to be a part of my life just as much as I want to be a part of your life. And so who knows? I don't, you don't know. You never know where those conversations will go. Because like I said, I'm, Two out of three, you could look at the vast, but the, the bigger majority didn't, haven't gone necessarily the way I wanted it to go. But that one relationship that went this certain way, gosh, how divine that's been and how freeing it's been. And to look on it now and look at the last three and a half or four years and say it was totally worth it, even though it was uncomfortable, even though I was scared, even though I was nervous, man, what a cool relationship I got to build with my dad. And, uh, and it's, and it's made a huge, huge difference in, in my life. And my boys, my boys know Papa Jojo, you know, they got to spend a lot of time with him and, and they talk about him. And so they don't talk about my mom as much. They don't know my older brother, Matt. Right. And so I think, uh, I don't know. I think it's, it's been uh, amazing to see what forgiveness can do. You know, if, if you lean into it and you just allow, like you said, your ego to take a step back, you know, you, you take a step back in your anger and you just, it can be very freeing if you let it. Yeah. You started out with, uh, the pain you're willing to endure Yeah, and to be open and vulnerable and, and forgive, uh, being vulnerable has something to do with the willingness to, uh, be unprotected and, and to actually forgive person to person. That's a willingness to, to be unprotected. I'm taking my shield down. I, I gave a talk on forgiveness recently, and if I remember the definition, it's to release feelings of resentment or anger toward a person or group who has harmed you, regardless of whether they actually deserve your forgiveness. So that's the other thing is regardless of whether they like, I can be justified in my anger by all accounts, but forgiveness is whether they whether they deserve it or not. You're moving on. So they don't deserve forgiveness, right? I mean, you could sit here and say a child's shoulders, right? There's another quote I heard that I love. A child's shoulders were not built to bear the weight of their parents' choices. Yeah. I mean, dude, I'm, I'm seven. And, and you're running around with different guys, which is why my older brother's babysitting me, which is why I'm in the scenario that I'm in, right? Like, that's your direct choices. My shoulders aren't built to bear that weight. That's not my, that's not my fault that that happened, right? But... But I got a choice of whether I can continue to be angry and be a victim in this life and say, what was me? That shouldn't have happened to me. Or I can make a conscious decision to just change it and release it. And it doesn't have power over me anymore. That's the other thing is it just doesn't have power over you. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. Are you going to be a victim? Or are you going to be a, you know crushed by the weight? Or 
going to just forgive somebody. Like it sounds so simple. Uh, the couple verses you referenced, the seven times, 70 times. So back then, seven kind of meant infinity. Like, yeah. oh, so seven times, oh my gosh, infinity. No, 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 not infinity, but infinity times 70. Infinity times even even more infinity. Like yeah. you should always forgive. And Okay, yeah, that's motivating. Yeah, that's a perfection idealism type thing. But, oh, hey, by the way, if you don't forgive people, God won't forgive you. Whoa, wait. Yeah. <laughs> that's the one that I do need. Uh, I do need that one. Yeah. When you said that, I'm like, ah, oh, convicted. All right. Yeah. Who do I got to forgive? And daily, you know, even my own self, you know, forgiving myself for judging people and reminding myself not to judge people. Like, I don't try to, but it just happens sometimes. Yeah. And yeah, I agree. Uh, the person that cut you off on the highway and, you know, let me go get them. That one's one that I corrected a long time ago. I'm like, I'd rather wave at them and, and give them a good day and pray for them. Uh, sometimes I forget the prayer part, but the wave part and the smile is just my routine. It gets gets that angst off of me like super quick and allows me to laugh and have fun with the situation because it's right. pretty ridiculous to need to cut somebody off on the highway. Sure. And at the same time, they're probably going through whatever it is that they're going through in their time of life. So yep. that that's a pretty big thing. So with your your family. Again, your wife's wonderful. I've met her. She's delightful. She is super cool. Um, she spoke to my daughter also and talked to her about being a competitive female and all that yeah. type of thing. So it was really, really cool getting to see those two go back and forth about things. But when you're thinking about your your wife and your kids, what are some core things that you've decided to employ with them? It's a good question. <laughs> And it's such a it's such a very broad question. I mean, I think faith is a big one that we're really trying to lean into. And they obviously go to a go to a Catholic school. You know, we we pray every night. You know, certain certain things like that. You see an ambulance on the side of the road, or somebody's in an accident. You pray for them. So trying to engage them with you know prayer. Who's got you know? You ask them questions. Who's who's God? Who's Jesus? Tell me what you're learning about that. And so then we we have those offline conversations. So I think that's. That's really big. I mean, it, you know, I could go through enough. We talk about not being lazy, what laziness means, right? I mean, sorry if anybody does this, but the, you know, at, at the store, if you leave your shopping cart there, I frankly tell my kids that those people are lazy and, and that's not who we're going to be. And so if they leave a pouch on the chair, hey, we're not going to be lazy. That's that's just not something that we do, right? We we pick up after ourselves and, and we're not lazy. So that that is um, I don't. There's a number of different things like that. One of the most interesting things that I've been that I came across recently is a book called The Intentional Father, and it's really got my wheels turning. With it's more of raising sons. There's a guy who's a pastor up in New York City, and I'm blanking on his name right now uh, as far as the author. But he uh, he talks about this journey that he took his son on from the age of 13, and his son took a gap year before he left for college. So we thought about the day that my son gets on a bus and goes to college or they get on the airplane or the day that they're leaving the, your house to go off and they're no longer under your control or under, you know, under your yeah. umbrella. What do I want my son to, to be? Who, what do I want him to know about himself? What do I want him to know about God? What skills do I want my son to have? All of these different things. So I'm raising three boys. So this really hits home with me of, you know, what, what rituals did they used to do in olden times to signify that now you're a boy and you're becoming a man, right? These, these kind of rites and rituals. Larry Hagner's a guy that I know you've, you've had on and you talk to him a lot. And he, he talks about this. But how do, we, you know, how, do we, how do we create those certain rites and rituals? And he would meet with his son every day for 15 to 45 minutes before he went off for school. Every morning for like six years. And I thought, that's intentional. That's really intentional. So it's got my wheels turning. He started that when he was 13. So I'm not there yet. And he would have different, different dads who were going through the same thing with their kids. And so I'm thinking about, okay, who's my band of brothers that I'm going to have? What are the certain things that I want my sons to know before they leave the house? So that's probably been the most interesting one. I mean, again, I could go off and give you a, a lot of different things that, you know, that we go through, but that's been the one recently that's got my wheels turning of hot. How intentional can I be before my kids leave, leave our nest? And I, I want to do that. And I'm going to embrace that. So we started talking about, we need friends to encourage, inspire, challenge, and love us. 
and your friends need you too. Yeah. So how cool is that to think about who else can you bring in to speak into your kids' lives? And with that, you're going to be able to speak into other guys' kids' lives. Sure. And it's awesome to have those guys that you know you can trust around your kids yeah. to say the right things, to uh, give good direction that you totally trust with advice that they would give. You trust the way that they live yeah. their life. Um, <laughs> we didn't talk about you version prior to us recording, and both of us are on you version today. Amazing. Pretty awesome. Yeah. So it's awesome having guys like you in my life, not only for the accountability, but even though you're younger than me, I don't look to too many guys younger than me where I say, Hey, I got something. Can you Appreciate help me out that. with something? So it's yeah. pretty cool. Not just with volleyball, but with other spots in life too. So it's, I love having you in my corner, man. I appreciate that. They call me an old soul. So, <laughs> so if you, uh, if you had any other things that you wanted to throw out there, feel free. And then, as you know, we always end off with a challenge. You might not have prepared for what your yeah. challenge will be, but something that guys can do week to week can be easy, but also can be something that's a little harder, a little more challenging. Yeah. But something that will help them become better. Yeah. I think the the last time I talked about was how do your best days begin? So I can't, I probably can't do that one. And, and how many, how many days the next 90 days are you going to start that way? So I, I think about that a lot as the morning routine and, and how do your best days begin? So that'd be a precursor. But one of the things I, I was, I feel like I don't have it very often, but some of these conversations with God, you feel like it was going back and forth because I was talking about the other weekend, you know, and I was kind of in this, just weird spot with God. We're going back and forth. Why did this stuff happen to me? And, and we, we ultimately got to do 20 minutes a day. That's all I'm asking you for is 20 minutes a day for you to spend time in my word, you know, reading my book and, and thinking about, you know, some of the things that I want you to think about. And so I've read all the new Testament. I'm, I'm through a fair amount of the old Testament, but I want to be able to say, Hey, I finished the book. And then not only that, you know, continuing to, to read that over and over again and keep learning. Uh, I had a mentor who's telling me about a guy who's read the Bible every year for the last 42 years now. And I thought, what a great, what a great goal to read the Bible every year and keep doing that for 40 years plus. But so I would say the challenge would be 20 minutes a day, 20 minutes a day in the word. So I'm in the old Testament right now. I just finished, um, you know, numbers. And so I'm on the next book, but just if you're struggling where to go, go to the four gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and then jump around the new Testament. There's a lot of really good stuff in there, whether it be a Romans or Ephesians, or heck, if, you know, if you want to go to some, some really good wisdom ones, you could go to Proverbs. You could read a proverb a day mm -hmm. and there's, you know, depending on the month, there's 31 days, or you can go in Psalms. There's some really good Psalms. I think uh, my mentor would say Psalm 51. And then there's, um, gosh, what's the other one? Psalm 23. Psalm 23 is a good one. So, Heck, go read Proverbs and, and read a book a day. And they're a short read. And there's so much good wisdom in there. But 20 minutes a day on, on his stuff, on his word. That's so, so good. Years ago, I heard a question. Uh, you get up to heaven and God says, hey, Dan, you read any good books while you were down there? <laughs> <laughs> I sure did. Yeah. And at the time of my life where I heard that, I thought, man, I've only got a couple in. Like I read that Lord of the Rings and I got a couple others <laughs> since then I've read, read some more books, but at that time I felt like, ah, I got about three pretty good ones in me. Yeah. Like, is that enough? And then the next question followed up. Oh, that's good. You read some good books. That's good. Have you read mine? Yeah. And I went, ah, oh, dropped the pen and just disappointed. And my answer at that time was, well, read most of it. Yeah. At least I think I've read most of it. Pretty sure I have. What's your answer to that guy? Like, what's that mean? Like, you know, almost like that, that forgiven line. If, if I don't forgive, he won't forgive me. Like, right. and did I do enough? Yeah. You know, and it more that, did I clear the uh, high jump? Did I get across the bar? What's the minimum level I can set the bar at and try to jump over that as opposed yeah. to the opposite of that? How high can I jump? Like, what's the most I can do for God? What's the most time I can spend with God? How can I just be in a daily rhythm and routine and be at that nine or 10 on relationship with him versus hovering around a five? Yep. Hovering around yeah. a five gets you out of the consistency. And then next thing you know, you're over on the one and you're stuck and you feel like you're too far away and you can't get back. Yeah. Yeah. I've got a guy in my small group that says that's his biggest fear, getting to heaven 
and God looking at him and putting his arm around him and saying, man, I, I had so much more for you. I had so much more and, and, and you missed the mark, right? You did some good stuff, but I had so much more in store for you. And that thought that maybe that's where it comes from a little bit is, is I'm not doing enough, but I don't, I don't, you know, I'd love to get up there, right. And hear the word say, well done, my good and faithful servant. But, but I don't want to hear him say, man, you missed the mark. You, I had all this stuff in store for you. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Well done. Good and faithful servant brings tears to my eyes every time I hear it. Yeah. That's awesome. What, what beautiful words. So guys, there's your challenge. 20 minutes a day in the word. If you don't know where to start, start with one of the four gospels. If that seems like too much, bounce over to Proverbs, check out Philippians, check out Ephesians. If you want to check out some marriage stuff, but there's so much, so much good wisdom in there. And you might think it was written such a long time ago, but <laughs> the writing is so fresh today. It's amazing. Uh, so, so, for, so for guys that aren't in it, you just heard from a guy that wasn't in it, got challenged to check it out. And now he reads every day, every day. So really, really cool. So again, thank you for being one of the close guys in my life and being a great friend and always being there whenever I, uh, whenever I got a question about life or have some fitness stuff that I need to sharpen up on. Absolutely. Thanks for having me on today. I appreciate it. Hey, by the way, for all the F3 guys out there, what's your nickname? Wilson. Wilson. (laughs) Perfect name for a volleyball guy. (laughs) That's right. All right. Well, awesome. So great having you on and thanks for those, uh, just really everything that you shared and what a great challenge. I love it. I don't know that anybody's ever thrown that challenge out before. I'll take it. Awesome. Awesome. We'll do the challenge guys. See how many days this week, the next seven that you can, uh, you can get your 20 minutes in and uh, you'll have a better week because of it. I guarantee it. Thanks guys. Catch you next week. Thank you for listening to this episode of the journey of a Christian dad podcast. Thank you guys for being a light, shine that light out and let others see it with you guys. Part of this community, it helps me be accountable to you guys. It helps me be accountable to myself be accountable to God and Jesus. I hope you appreciated this episode and picked up some great things. hope you like the challenge and hope you can execute on that challenge this week. I ask of you, please subscribe, share the show with others, join us inside of the Journey of a Christian Dad on Facebook, inside our private community. Share that community with others, have your buddies join, have other dads that are looking to grow in their faith grow as spiritual leaders of their family. As we engage in our journey and be intentional with it, we can help others grow theirs as well. We thank you again for listening. We thank you for all your reviews. Look forward to reading a review of yours on a future show. So, dear God, thanks for blessing all of us and thanks for drawing us closer to you. In your name we pray. Amen. Have fun, guys.